Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis. Dave Skull. I don't know why I said your name like Grayskull, like Castle Grayskull. Yeah, like, I don't it know. sounded Dave almost Skull. like you were upset, you know, or you're you're saying it with a little bit of a contempt. I don't know. No, more like uh, intensity, like a, a an FM DJ maybe. Dave Skull. Dave Skull. In the morning, these prices are insane. Something like that. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Or like a strip club DJ? I didn't want to say that. I debated saying that in my head because I didn't, I wasn't sure if I should give away that I knew what that sounds like or it, not. It, we all do. You, know you, I mean? you don't have to. It doesn't mean you've been in one recently. Okay. Tell the main stage cinnamon and on the secondary stage where cinnamon. barely anybody can see him. Dave Skull. We have biscuit on the backstage in the dark. Oof. No spotlights on the stage where <laughs> where biscuit is. <laughs> He's our little secret. What a nightmare to start the show. Right. That was not the best. No, a, carry a, a, that image through the next three hours. Everybody say, at home. Like, what do you want me to do now? Yeah. Pocket potatoes for everybody, buddy. <laughs> that, that's that's not code for anything. No, is that a potato in your pocket? You're just happy to see Biscuit. Happy to see Biscuit. <laughs> We're killing it here, guys. What a start. Is this thing on? <laughs> uh it is a Louisville basketball uh, game day. I know the Louisville Sports Live guys went uh, last night because we've got Louisville, uh, the Louisville men in Chapel Hill for Dave. What should be a root canal, uh, and I don't. I don't mean like it's necessarily going to be uh, some sort of lo- horrible lopsided game, but even in the best of times, it's this is not an easy trip to make. No, this is not an easy team to play. Uh, and it's not the best of times. You, this uh, Louisville team, I, I think you have to approach this, Dave, like these are just opportunities now. Yeah. Really? Like, like if, for Kenny, this is, it, yes, very, very few people are going to predi- uh, predict that you win. Nobody's going to predict that you win. Very few are going to predict that you probably even keep this thing uh, terribly competitive. But if you are to pull something off, like you did a week ago against Miami, uh, this one will be even more meaningful than that one if they are to pull something like that off. Uh, 100%. And, 
And not only for the historical gravitas, I mean, but North Carolina is the standard in the league this year. Uh, they're currently ranked fourth. They're starting to dismantle teams a little bit. I mean, they really, they really blew Syracuse off the off the court the other day. Um, and they're winning in different different ways. You know, they they kind of suffocated NC State a little bit uh, the game before. Uh, they ran away from Syracuse. I mean, they just they're a pretty complete team this year. And uh, I, for one, am uh, terrified about what could possibly happen in this game. But the fact is, as you said, it's opportunities at this point. The stakes, it's not that they're low. They're very high for for Kenny and, and for the crew because they're coaching for their, their career. They're coaching for their, their coaching life. Every game, I mean, they should be at least. And a game like this could could change the trajectory of your season or it could just be more of the same. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that, that uh, the stakes are high. I, th- I think, you know, I, I think that you're right. But I also think that the stakes are the same in every game. Yeah. If that makes sense. The- oh, no, you can say the same thing every single game because you play Notre Dame and you lose that one. And it feels like you've lost one of the real opportunities to get conference wins. If you play North Carolina, you lose that one, and you know it's not the end of the world in the grand scheme of things because you weren't ever supposed to win that game. But you're running out of runway. You're running out of a landing strip uh, to to accumulate any dubs whatsoever. So while we all believe the writing's on the wall, Kenny can't think of it that way. You know, if he's interested in coaching a year three, which you would think he is. Um, I guess the stakes are kind of the same for every game for us, but but this this like this win could count for multiple wins if you if if you put it in the uh, in the dub column. It's just man, I'm I've watched North Carolina a few times this year. Uh, they have the ability to to run you off the court. Yeah, the, looking at this game uh, for tonight uh, for Louisville, uh, it's the first of a series of games for Louisville. Uh, none of which, at least on paper, uh, and we'll, we'll give all of the necessary disclaimers, none of which look especially promising for Louisville. Uh, just looking at Ken Palm right now, Ken Palm, look, Ken Palm projected that Louisville would lose to Miami by 16. Right. Then they most certainly did not. But it predicts Louisville, Dave, lose this game by 24, 89-65. Then the Wake Forest game after that, it predicts Louisville lose by 16. Then the Duke game after that has Louisville losing by 15. Uh, I don't – I think they'll exceed those, but 24 for the numbers on Ken Palm to spit out that much of a margin, that's alarming. It's a lot. You don't get that often in Ken Palm, but when you're talking about a top 10 team versus the – team in the 200s it's that happened you know you just we're just not used to seeing it during conference play until this these last two seasons we're never there and we're rarely playing somebody who's in the 200s and we're certainly not used to being the team in the 200s but this is um when we were going into the miami game we said that this was the, the hardest stretch of five games probably of the season doesn't get much easier after that either we have clemson and virginia close on the heels of this five-game stretch. Um, 
we were able to pull out the Miami game. I stressed to people going into NC State, even though put up a good effort and it was a competitive game, that it was going to be a different type of game than in Miami. And it was even different than I expected it to be, but mostly because I haven't seen NC State score that many points in the half-court game all year, and neither has their fan base. So uh, it was a little disheartening to see that. Uh, there were some other things they did well, but I stress like the Miami – Miami's a good team, but they're if you're able to take not even take away but limit certain things, you know, and and they're able to turn them over and 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 get some points off of that, and it was a really good legitimate win. But not everybody depends on the three point shot like like Miami does. They don't live by the three, die by the three. And Miami was content, even though they made eleven threes, they shot a lot of threes, and they continued to settle for threes down the stretch and to Louisville's credit that had a lot to do with the defense where they were, they were collapsing on, on, right. on drivers. They were collapsing on every paint touch. They were, yep. they had active hands. They were forcing turnovers. It's not that it was a passive thing, but if Miami had hit a couple more of those open threes, it might've been a different conversation, you know, and, and the rest of the league, like this stretch, they don't rely on three pointers. Like, like Miami does. I mean, North Carolina can, can get you any number of ways. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this one in thinking about Louisville and, and North Carolina tonight is we think about North Carolina and the fact that they fly up and down the floor. And like the you know, going all the way back to Dean Smith, they've got a specific style of play that's sort of culturally ingrained in everybody. Uh, of of getting up the floor, getting out in transition, secondary break, trying you know, not trying to run a bunch of half-court offense when you've got great players everywhere get out and go maximizing the number of possessions always works you know in their favor but I don't and have never really thought about North Carolina as some sort of stalwart defensive team mm -hmm. uh, and maybe this is where Hubert Davis is putting a little bit of his specific imprint on this team or maybe it just kind of works with this team they're number five in the country yeah. in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm I never think about North Carolina teams being this good defensively. And while we ha Louisville has not been locked down defensive uh, de locked down defensive team against almost anybody uh, this year, they also haven't really played teams that do a ton of that. Even Kentucky uh, is kind of struggling defensively. We've seen Texas and IU not great defense. Like they haven't played a lot of great defensive teams with the exception of Virginia, and they never really had a chance in that game. Yeah. And this is a Carolina team that's – far more dangerous offensively and is really good defensively. It has the potential, more potential than some of these other ones. If they're not locked in here to be to be very ugly, if they if they don't take this game even more seriously than than the way that they did against Miami in a way that we're we're happy about, North Carolina has a chance to really lay the wood to them. Yeah, and and uh to your point like we struggled defensively against pretty much every everybody who played in some facet or another. Like we already talked about the things we did well against Miami. It's an us problem, not a them problem. Yeah, yeah. So you have a team that, that scores in bunches in North Carolina, but can also play such good defense. Like it, it, you can see how this game could go sideways quickly. the the uh, The blueprint for it is pretty obvious, and I think we're all just kind of uh, girding our loins for it. We have reached uh, the place in the uh, sports calendar with college football 
uh, the games themselves, at least being done, were down uh, to the uh, the Elite Eight in the NFL uh, and waiting for those games uh, to get here this week. And we'll talk some uh, a little bit about that uh, later on. Uh, but now a lot of attention on college and, and NBA basketball are going to start beginning to be turned. We've had multiple reprimands today. Like, I don't know what, if it's just like the college basketball realized now they've got a lot more eyeballs and a lot more attention than they had. Uh, but the crazy started to come out yesterday. Oh, it was wild last so night. today, just today, Nate Oates received a reprimand for shoving an, a Missouri player out of his huddle, uh, directly putting his hands on and pushing the kid out of his huddle. Don't put hands on people. And he tried to play it off a little bit by pointing like he was really just trying to point the kid away, but he pushed him out of the way. He got reprimanded for it. I would have. I'm surprised he didn't get teed up for touching the kid. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and then today, uh, what I think we all agree was the funniest thing that could have happened yesterday. DJ Horn, who lit Louisville up, lights up Wake Forest in a, in a win for NC State, a big one, uh, and then lights the referee up double barrels. On TV. On TV, and it was like one of only six or seven technical fouls. Uh, that, and that one wasn't even called. For what happened uh, in that one, he received a reprimand from the ACC. The NATO's reprimand from the SEC, 100% on board. You cannot touch players. You can't touch players for the other team, for sure. DJ Horn, I'm kind of okay with you dropping the double birds on the ref. Well, did you see the rest of that game? Were you watching that game? I watched well, the entire game. Yeah. So Kevin Keats, Keats gets exited about halfway through the first half. He gets tossed in the first half, and then that closing sequence was wild it with Middlebrook. It certainly was. <laughs> like, and we, we just played NC State, so you all should be familiar with Middlebrooks is a scrappy player. He's pretty good, and he was he was really coming on the second half there. He had 14 points, got an and one, and I think the initial contact was incidental. You know, when he, he wasn't looking at the guy, he was looking up at the uh, – at the crowd, you know, kind of kind of crowing after his and one and uh, bumped shoulders with him. And I forgot which player for Wake was it. Do you remember? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, but he, they called double tech because he bumped him and they started yapping and they got in each other's faces. So Middlebrooks, that was his fifth foul. So he gets ejected. The, uh, <laughs> so they have to initially, before anything else happens, they have to sub him in and select another player to shoot the free throw. That same player for Wake, I'm trying to remember who it was, gets into it with another with Diara, with another right. with another NC State player, gets another tech, so he's double teched and gets tossed, and Diara ended up getting tossed for that second uh, altercation as well. There were four technical fouls. They were offsetting techs in a three point game, and if if he had just held it together a little bit, it would have been a tech. Wake would have been shooting two free throws, but. And would have gotten the ball. Like, the whole thing was crazy. Like, a really, the game was stopped for a while. They were reviewing it and well, figuring out who they were tossing. Keats was furious uh, midway through the first half that they did not get a call. Uh, actually, I think really didn't get calls on two consecutive possessions. The next time did not get them again and went Bayheim. Went Bayheim at at uh, at Cameron, where he, we all know what we're talking about, where he tears the jacket off and oh, he's yeah. screaming it's BS right in the face of a referee and gets tossed. We call that the Mulkey. Yeah, he did it, uh, and and then immediately kept going and got himself tossed uh, from the game. And former Louisville assistant Kareem Richardson brings them all the way home. Yeah, they win the game uh, in a crazy, uh, crazy game. That again, you had six technicals. You had a coach get ejected. You had a player. 
flip off the referee with his back turned to him, and we all saw it on TV. And if you go Double back, and, go back and watch it, uh, get on YouTube or whatever. West Durham and Dan Bonner are on the call. They will be on the call for tonight's game as well uh, with Louisville and North Carolina. I don't know what it was about the game that just that it stuck out to me, but West Durham has Dan Bonner in stitches. He everything he says makes that dude laugh. Yeah. It was Salas, by the way, for Wake Forest. Okay, so but he, everything like, every time I turned around, every time I looked up, Dan Bonner was howling at something that West yeah. Durham had said. Oh yeah, funniest I mean, man on planet Earth. I guess so. Yeah. If I ever try stand up, I want Dan Bonner in the audience. Yeah, get in there, yeah, front row. <laughs> he was rolling. <laughs> it was. Um, speaking of announcers, it was also it was an interesting night with uh, with Iron Eagle. And what happened with them uh, on uh, was it yes the yes network with the yeah calling the Nets and the Celtics? Uh, it was one of the more awkward exchanges I've ever I've ever experienced. I I, it's, I couldn't tell if he was being serious at first, and then by the end of it, I was like, oh no, he's mad. Don't mansplain to him. Now look, I have never had to. I've never worked a game. You know, where, where like I'm on the broadcast. I would love to. Can you find that very quickly from the from the Celtics and the Nets last night? Uh, Slam Magazine tweeted that I know. Three is uh, coming from all over the place, and then everything that could go wrong, you know, foul, ball goes in, and one, stops the clock, turnover, turnover, missed free throws when you got fouled a bit. It was crazy. Could I make one point? Sure can. I just want to say that earlier... You had a very patronizing tone towards me. I fully understand what a slip screen is. I've been doing the NBA for 18 years. But the way you presented it initially was gobbledygook. So, like the audience, I wanted you to come back and explain yourself. And you then just took a firing line on me. And it was uncalled for. I don't think so. That's exactly what happened. You are overly sensitive. To I am not. Did you have a bad day today? <laughs> it's second game of a back-to-back. The it's ride back from Philly tough. did it like disturb you well, last night? That was two hours with you, which is probably the reason why <laughs> I've had enough tonight. Time out. Time out. Sometimes when when we have like a technical issue here, uh, when I get home, Angela, like you were really mad about that, weren't you? Yeah, and I'm I never I'm like you SOBs, but I guess it, you know it comes through. It comes through. Sure. There's no way to play off. He was furious. And that's Fratello. And Mike Fratello was the uh was the color guy that was uh that was uh uh accused of having engaged in gobbledygook. It got, that was the best part. He's like I didn't need you to explain a slip screen to me. <laughs> I was trying to get you to explain the slip screen better because that's your job. Well, the, right. The best part of that clip is he says, like the audience, yeah. I wanted you to explain it yeah. better. Like he speaks for the whole audience and saying, whatever you said didn't make sense. And it's not our fault. It's your fault. And then you were a jerk about it when I asked you to explain it a second time. He's like, I watch, I call a hundred basketball games every year. I know what a slip screen is. It's your job to explain it to the audience. And what you said was gobbledygook. Has gobbledygook ever been said on a broadcast before? So it's a great question. I feel like, I don't know. 
what's the what is more insulting for someone to say that what you're saying is gobbledygook or gibberish? I think gobbledygook. Tanner, what do you think? Which one is worse? Which one, gobbledygook or gibberish? Uh, I was I would say gibberish because I've never heard gobbledygook. Or You've never heard? I've never heard someone say that before. It's like that was like the first time I've ever heard that. Like, what did, what did you think it meant? Like gibberish, though. I, I'd say like the same thing. Like, Are they synonyms? I think they're close. But I feel like gobbledygook, the fact that you haven't heard that should make you just instinctually think that it's worse. The context I mean, yeah, clues. that's a that's a great point. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, point. That's like a good this, point. this, he broke glass to use to use. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I think gibberish is a word. Gobbledygook is gobbledygook. It's onomatopoeia. It's like it's just in sounds. It's, 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 it's gibberish. Yes, it's it is. Literally right. gibberish. <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't make sense. Oh man, what a night of basketball we had! Just between all the technicals. The ridiculous situations, the things that you had to apologize for today, and announcer drama. All of it. It's had very little, and quite frankly, the NC State Wake Forest game is really important to the standings in the ACC. These are two teams that are going to be battling it out for uh, for seeding in the ACC tournament as well as a spot in the NCAA tournament. This game is going to have implications, you know, two months from now. For what it's worth, I would. Tanner, I don't know how much time you really want to spend on this, but I would appreciate it if you did. Is it possible to find what he said about slip screens? Yeah, I never heard that. I quote. would like yeah, we uh, we haven't found anything yet, but I'll look for it. I would I would like to hear it and judge just how gobbledygook like, it sounded. Are you was Ian Eagle being overly sensitive? Can we make that judgment call? <laughs> the best one he was like. I'm probably being sensitive because I've had to spend two hours with you. You're just like, geez, man. I, Anybody just, would be. Is he just banking on that you can't swing on me on the radio or on right. TV? Is that what it is? Like, I'm just going to unload because you can't do anything about it because we're on TV. And he's like, and, and they need me. <laughs> a good play-by-play guy is harder to find than a you know color commentary. Sorry. <laughs> I would like to hear what he said that made him say that. I would too. Texter says he was overly sensitive on the air. Could have explained it to him after they got off the air or during commercial break. I agree. I agree with that. I think what ha- what it sounds like to me though is he didn't like the way he was talked to on the air and was not going to be content to let it go on the air. Here's what I'm really hoping for, Dave: that nothing like that happens tonight. And what I mean by that is, I, please, God above. Just let this game not this game tonight with Louisville, North Carolina. Please don't let this game degenerate into something to where Wes and Dan Bonner have to fill time. Please let the game matter enough that they don't have to freestyle and don't lecture us, which I don't expect. Not not from that Wes crew. Is smarter than that. No, no, not not from West Durham. I don't think we're going to get that, but. It's always, I don't think Dan Bonner and, and Kenny are friends, so I don't expect to get any of that from him. Right. But what you like our unfortunately our modest goals as a program this year, our modest goals is to keep the attention on the court, which is a long shot tonight. Like this, I don't want them to have to fill in the second half. Like the goal is for them to talk more about the teams on the court than teams that are not playing on that court. Which probably is gonna happen because North Carolina's gonna be on that court. You know? 
won't have a lot to do with us. But uh, what we don't want to hear is like a you know long soliloquy on Duke or every other team in the ACC, so they don't have to talk about Louisville, which is unfortunate. What happened last year in between the lectures, and what's happened sometimes this year, and as you get into conference season, it tends to happen more like the preseason games, the pre-conference games where Louisville's struggling with a Chattanooga or something, it's hard to talk about the rest of the country in November. But once the ACC starts, the picture starts becoming a little more clear and they start talking about every team above us in the standings during our games, that's when it starts to get like, this is is sad. It's very sad. Makes me sad. What an odd clip to have happened. I love it. Oh, I think it's great. There's nothing better than awkward situations that I'm not a part of. Oh, sure. You know, like sure. I hate being right. a part of awkward well, situations. Because it's it's great because it doesn't matter how it gets resolved. Right? Right. It happens. Like, I don't lose anything no matter what happens. If y'all fight, fine. If y'all work it out, fine. One of you quits, fine. It doesn't. None of it matters to me at all. And most of it, like, we're so used to announcers just being largely milquetoast. I mean, the, that's why the good ones stick out so much because... The banter is normally so just vanilla to me, you know, and it's most people that work together a lot have a good working relationship and they just have a, a back and forth and they hand it off to each other. And very rarely do you hear them air it out during a broadcast unprofessionally like that. I do. Uh, I like that we have a texture who got right to work on trying to actually make the case for one being worse than the other. Uh, this is dic- what I want. Dictionary yeah. definition of gobbledygook. Uh, Tanner, would you like to try to spell this word you've never heard before? Would you like to take a shot at spelling, being a college student and all, spelling the word gobbledygook? All right. So, G. Good start. Yes. All right. Do it like no. Do it like the spelling bee. Say the word, then spell it, then say the word again. Like so, we got format here. Wait, just gobbledygook. Can you use it in sentence? No, I'm just kidding. Um. Yeah, what you just said, describing the screen, slip screen was gobbledygook. Ian Eagle said, Mike Fratello, his explanation of slip screens was gobbledygook, and no one knew what he was talking about. Do we have a language of origin? (laughs) Narnian. No. All right, so G-O-D-D-L-Y space G-O-O-K. It sounded like you... Sounded like you threw a D in there. I th- well, there is a D. No, like but there's, oh, too it, early. Okay, first of all, it's one word. Oh, okay. And it starts with gobble. gobble. Yeah, so I would assume it's G O B B L E D Y. Uh, see, I was gonna go D E D Y D Y G O O K. Okay, I was one letter off because I would have. I would have. Yeah. The definition being language that's meaningless or is made unintelligible by excessive use of abstruse technical terms. Wow. Have you ever heard the word abstruse? No. <laughs> that's okay. That's normal. That's all right. That one that's we're going to let that You shouldn't have ever heard that word before. A valiant effort at spelling gobbledygook, by the way. I don't know, man. He put a D right after the first B. I, yeah, I, that was the thing. Right when I Gobbled-y. said it. Yeah. yeah, yeah right when I, I said it, I was like, Dad, that's not English. Like, yeah, right like, away. As soon as you did that, I was like, Tanner, like, not that there shouldn't be a D in there, but you really put it way too early. Yeah. No, like, right when it left my lips, I was like, that, that's so wrong. <laughs> That I understand that. Like that's, that, on that happens to me on, on trivia sometimes. When you just say something like, I know it's wrong. Can I have it back? It's left my mouth. I'm trying to put it back in there. Yeah, it never. you never can. Uh-uh. You never can. All right, let's take a quick break here. 
we'll uh, we'll let Tanner recover uh, from the shame of having misspelled gobbledygook. No shame, actually. We're just kidding. Uh, and when we come back, he gets a pass because of that mustache. We all uh, we would really like the opportunity. I think we're all going to join in this together to just revel in the collective welcoming of Alabama to life as mortal. Right? Because we're all watching them realize, oh, God, is this how the rest of you live? Yeah, it is. The water's warm. We'll talk about it on the other side here. On the drive, and I found the vote. Be right back. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 Noville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 Noville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull, Dave. Text into the UPS shops text line since we were talking about that. What is actually a very old clip? See, I didn't even. I didn't Ivan know Eagle it was an old and, clip. And Mike Fratello. You told me that, it. and I was like, I had no idea. I mean, it kind of makes sense because I don't even know if Why Iron Eagle doing a random Nets game. Like, I don't know if right. Iron Eagle still does right. basketball games for the Yes Network. Um, he has he's come a long way. He's come a long way, but still. So here's that social media for you. Text into the UPS shops text line since we we're talking about that awkward uh, situation between the two of them. One of the best awkward situations for your show was when Biscuit was asked. What he thought about U of L and Wake Forest game a couple of years ago, and Biscuit had to <laughs> remind the person, and I think it was Pat. It was Patty. No, I don't remember that game. I was in a coma. <laughs> that was awkward, but crazy. Uh, it was do so, you remember that? Of course I Not do. Not a coma, obviously. No, of course I remember that because I gave Patty hell for that for like two years after because he felt a lot worse about it than I did. <laughs> I did it just You've as a one-off. You've always been able to laugh at it a little bit. It's just a one-off trying to. I was laughing. You know, and he was just like, oh, no. And, like, his cheeks got really red, and he felt awful about it. I was like, that's not really what I was trying to do. <laughs> you know, bless Pat's heart. He's very irreverent, but always intentional. Yeah. So, like, if he ever feels like he messed up, like he accidentally did something that was maybe crossed the line, he really takes it hard. really hard on himself. And, like, obviously, everybody who knows me knows that I'm – I like, I, I don't ever – like, that's – you didn't take that sort of thing too serious. No, not at all. Like I, I've made fun of it. You know, that's kind of the. It's the whole thing. That, why wouldn't I? I survived it. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm I won the 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 lottery life of life there. Like I got I got through that, and obviously I was asleep <laughs> during the wake game. But Patty said it was just an opportunity. He just left the door wide right open because he was like, "Do you remember?" The weight game, like we were back and forth, going up and down the field. I was like, nah, man, I was in a coma. <laughs> and he was just, he went dead silent. 
and just his cheeks got red. He's like, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was like, dude, don't, don't apologize. I gave him hell for that for, nah, till the day he left, really. I did a, a, a pod, not a podcast thing, but like a, just a, an online thing with a, an Auburn person back during the Cam Newton stuff yeah. when, when he was still at the tail end of that year at, at Auburn. And he was very impassioned about why Auburn had nothing to worry about with playing him and this was all bogus and and even if it happened, it was his dad, and he didn't know about it and all that. And he just asked me, he's like, I mean, you, you think he knows about everything your his dad's doing? He's like, Mark, what's your dad doing right now? Oh, oh no. Yeah. It's like, but my dad is dead. My dad died in 2009. You should have run that by me beforehand, <laughs> so I'm going to make you look like an ass right here. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Who my, was it that said that? It was an Auburn guy. I'm not going to. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. I won that round. Yeah, you won that <laughs> That's kind of a mic drop. Like you got to think about that if you're going to throw that out there. You you do. We're adults. Yeah, like we're you we're of a certain age. Exactly. Like that's that's a possibility. Yeah, that you need to be sensitive to. I feel awful for that guy right now, even though I mean, oh, I felt bad for him, but I wasn't going to let it pass. But you weren't going to let it Absolutely go. No, not. it's like no, no, no we're going to win. That's uh, judges are going to score this one for for Mark Ennis here. <laughs> That's, he did not really have a comeback. Speaking of, <laughs> no, I guarantee it. Like that's there is no comeback. There, is, there. there really isn't one. No, he's gonna think you're like, only. oh yeah. Wait, uh, you know what? Done. By the way, just since we spoke about Iron Eagle, genetics, what are incredibly strong? Okay. He have, Noah Eagle sounds exactly like his dad. Oh, uh, uh, same with uh, uh, Jack Coll- Collinsworth. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, sounds, sounds just it's like- wild. Yeah, it's wild because I don't think I sound that much like my father. You know, maybe I do. I don't think I do, but it's weird how that it can get all the way down to that. And maybe part of it's training, you know, it's uh, uh, nature versus nurture. But man, I hope it's not true. I hope it like the genetics aren't that big of a factor in this sort of thing, because I I I just I hate the idea of there being another Sweeney that's going to grow up and talk like Andy. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking your own son. If like your son oh, no. secedes you on this no, radio my, well, show, that would be amazing. If, he, if my son talks, he does not have a voice like mine, but he he's, he does this. This hands talker, oh, yeah. big time hands talker. Great radio uh, demonstration yeah, there. You like that? He does this for all if, the people if, at home. If you all were driving and had <laughs> captioning on, it would say "shakes hands furiously." That's right. Uh, while I did that, uh, he does that, and it's very funny to me. And every I laugh at it every time he does it, and then I'm like, "Oh God, I do that." I do that. I'm sorry. Oh, look, I, there are a lot of ways that, like, there's no DNA test needed yeah. for my dad and I. We look very similar yeah, in a lot here. of ways, and we have a lot of the same mannerisms. So that there's, like, I know genetics shines through in a lot of different ways, uh, but there's no question whose <laughs> son I am. But it's funny just with Noah, like, he sounds just like his dad. And it's tone and tenor and, and you know, everything. Wow. Do need uh, an explanation at some point from why you are the di- uh, differentiating between an Ian and an Ian? That's what he. That's how he. That's how I he know. pronounced it. Dad was like the. It was like because he said that on interviews like people have mis always mispronounced it. I think it was like his dad just pronounced it Ian. Well, that's the only other one I can think of is Ian Zero. Ian Zero. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew yeah. what you were gonna say because I, <laughs> I can't think of it from one. Beverly Hills not to yeah. another. Like that's or also the- beating up some random. Uh, <laughs> did you see that he got got into a massive fight with like a group of like these tiny little uh, carjackers? Really? No, really in the street? Yeah, tiny yeah. carjackers. Small. Yeah, 
Wait, what? Yeah, they were tiny. Like, yeah, they were short. Little the people hijacking or the car itself. The people. Okay. The people. I would don't. I don't think I would ever describe a car as short. A uh, band well, of roaming, just like short. Yeah. Carjackers. Yeah. That's interesting. Were they teenagers? Were well, they, they had bike. They had motorcycle helmets on. So, is there a video of this? Oh yeah. How He's have I missed in the this? Street with all of them. Well, clearly, like. I I don't think I'd ever heard the uh, Iron Eagle clip until eleven. This is the best part about the social media. The show so far today, forty-one minutes in, is don't mess with anyone named Iron. Apparently, in any way, he, they have they a line in the in sand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it's funny. Like this is how social media works, though. Is that you will randomly get a clip like that that just goes crazy because yeah. that was go everywhere last night, and I was like, is this? Did this? This just happened, right? And no, it's from eleven years ago. Yep. Now I just need the Iron's airing. Uh, clip of him and carjackers from whenever it was to pop back up on my timeline it'll happen yeah you wait it's all inevitable so look i know you uh are enjoying like me uh the fact that alabama fans and supporters are waking up to the first day of the rest of their lives (laughs) and that basically from 2009 until a week ago they enjoyed being the most uh, insane in the good way fan base uh most passionate bonkers uh nuts for the sport fan base combined with the most impassioned crazy to be great at the sport every single day all the time coach and are only now beginning to go through like the stages of grief of realizing that this sort of thing that they've enjoyed almost thoughtlessly or just assumed was how it worked actually has to be executed by the head coach and that it's not a guarantee that the next guy is going to be able to come in and do anything close to it. In fact, I think it's almost a guarantee that he will not Uh, in the same way that we complain about uh, the Packers getting a third quarterback in a Mm -hmm. row, like the the likelihood that you uh, Louisville wasn't able to do it with basketball coaches, right? Weren't able to string together hall of famers, uh, three in a row. Uh, The idea of, Alabama being able to find another person who can do things at the just absurd, the insanely good level that Saban did everything all the time. We will probably never see it again, but watching that roster get picked apart and torn apart by everyone and watching Alabama fans realize, hey, we got to do something about this portal. (laughs) What the hell's going on out there? All of the sudden, uh, it's not nearly as fun when the rest of us have a gun. Yeah, so my favorite was the guy that you uh, that you quoted, the fan that you quoted earlier today. And I just want to read the exact quote because it's so funny to me. Um, basically, lamenting the existence of the portal in NIL. Let me see. It's right here. It's coming. Um... This guy's name's Ricky L. Green. I'm gonna give him a little. I'm gonna give him a little shine, you know, because he wants it. He's gonna get the attention that he wanted today. This BS new era in quotations of college football has become completely laughable. Players should be able to gain from their NIL, but not like this. But not like this. That's my favorite line. That's that's really what it I really wanted is. to read. But not, but not like, like this. this. You can just hear the regret. <laughs> but not like this. Not in any way that doesn't 
result in my program being the best program in the country until there are some sort of rules that will actually be enforced. College football, as we know it, is dead. It took less than a week after Saban retiring for Alabama fans to go from on top of the world to college football is dead. dead. (laughs) I mean, what a tweet. They should be able to benefit from their NIL, but not like this. (laughs) Why do you think those guys were going to Alabama? Mark, the whole point is... You don't even have to make this an NIL issue. He committed to the best college football coach of the modern era, and he retired. That's what the transfer portal is for. That's the main reason why many of us fought for players that have more agency over their careers because they commit to coaches. They commit to situations. And when those situations change, they should be allowed to go somewhere else. They also literally just poached a coach who was playing for a national championship and two head coaches to be coordinators or position coaches. And I bet whoever, whomever they bring in from Washington, if they decide to, they're not going to cry over that, are That's they? That's right. That person is just making a smart decision. They're making a smart decision. Who right. wouldn't leave Washington to go to Alabama? But how dare any player look at the program that is Alabama and leave for somewhere else, for whatever reason. And I think what's really burning them is that these aren't guys that are waiting for playing time. These are starters. These are freshman All-Americans. Yeah, the two guys today that really seem to set Alabama fans off into into the the stratosphere is Downs. Caleb uh, Downs, the freshman All-American safety. Defensive back. It was a a, a recruiting coup for them to win that Mm -hmm. one. It was a heavily... Uh, fever pitch battle, they win, and he's he's the next great one. And then Caden Proctor is just exactly what you think of with Alabama, a ginormous, hilariously athletic offensive lineman. Uh, that he's, they, a, he's a tool shed that plays left tackle. Uh, yeah, the, right. He looks yeah. like a minivan. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That, then he runs like a 4'8". You know, yeah. and, and he hits the portal, and most everyone thinks he's heading back to Iowa. Because he's from Iowa. Well, And I think what's happening, and had been committed to them for a while yeah, too, yeah. but I think what's happening is a lot of Alabama fans are waking up to the fact that, like so many fan bases do, uh, they, the things there are things that people were attracted to about Alabama under Nick Saban that were because of Nick Saban. Yeah. And they, they, it's not just Alabama, and as long as it's Alabama, it'll all work the same. It'll be just fine. There are, there are, but Elliot, I think, said this uh, on uh, the cover three uh, today or yesterday, and it's a great point to be made. There are uh, scores of five star guys who went to Alabama and even took slightly less NIL money than they would have been offered to go to other places to play for Nick Saban. Because you know, if you are. Uh, thinking you're like a, a fourth round kind of guy, you go play for Nick Saban for three years. You're going to be a second round guy, yeah, or a first round guy. Like it's a guarantee they would take a, a discount for the chance to play for him, and they don't leave because where is it going to be better? To where they didn't really need to be all that active. Well, now guys are looking at this like he's gone, and and Kirby Smart's great, but he can only have 85 guys. Yeah. Other places are going to be just as useful to them for those sorts of things, and you're not going to get the Saban discount anymore. Welcome to our life. People are making business decisions. These and kids they have are, been all along. Yes, there's you're kids just are not making the obvious choice now. Business decisions, and we we went over it when Bama was going through the coaching search, and they hadn't 
settled on Kalen DeBoer yet, and and uh, even after they settled on him, Alabama's as Alabama's an institution has missed on the coaching hire more than they've hit in the last forty years. Yeah, yeah he, Saban is the exception that proves the rule. Post Bear, it's Ray Perkins, Mike Shula, Gene Stallings, Mike Shula. You what, Jimmy Dubose uh, mm-hmm. the for a short time. Uh, Mike Price never lost a game there. Mike Price, that's right. He only lost other stuff, but he did not lose a game. That's right. Uh, like it's not. You're right. It's not a run of super successful coaches. Saban, it was the perfect guy at the, at the best point in his career mm-hmm. with the perfect place, and he managed it perfectly. And now they're just one of several where that sort of thing can go on, and it's terrifying. And Alabama is like we all know they're they're. They're the best program in the country. I think like if you take a snapshot, Georgia surpassed them the last couple of years. But overall, when you combine history, you know, and 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 recent success all together, Alabama's the top program in the country. But a lot of that was Saban, and there's a lot of other brands that are close to Bama that have some inherent advantages that Alabama doesn't have. People aren't going to Tuscaloosa for the nightlife. You know what I mean? Like that's. Some people like a small college town that's all about that college. There's a lot of good things about that. When you're a player, you're God, you know, in those places. And but that's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but it it's attractive to a lot of these guys that are five stars and high four stars that have been that their whole life. But other one, other players would rather go to Austin, where UT is similarly venerated. You know, it's it's in a, a top five to ten brand in college football historically. Uh, it is uniquely situated for success, and it's in a nice, a really cool town. It's a big city, you know. It's 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 got a lot going on. It's got an incredible cultural scene, and there's a lot of other things to do. Columbus is different, but Columbus is also it's technically the biggest city in in, in Ohio. It's got a it's it's a bigger population center than Cincinnati or, or Cleveland. Like it's 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 a big city. It's it's similar in size to Austin. Um, there are other places that have more going on. I mean, shoot, Baton Rouge has more going on than than Tuscaloosa on the surface. But you had Nick Saban. He was a selling point, and he had proven success. And, and there no was no stinkers for that. There was no comeback for that. There was right. no alternative. Who could you counter? And the only, honestly, in the last couple of years, Kirby Smart was the only counter That's it. because yep. he came from the tree and he was doing it better than Saban was yeah. the last couple of years. Like that was really the only program that could counter the Nick Saban argument at all in recent years. And there's also all the reports that look, Nick Saban wanted a lot of control over the NIL as much as he could as as a member of the institution, but a lot of the NIL was wrapped up in Saban as a person. You know, it was they don't necessarily have a collective or a, an infrastructure that's that's independent. That's right. Of Nick Saban he didn't build and them, some yes, self-running structure. He they don't have a five hundred two circle in, in Tuscaloosa. You not know, like that. Right. Not saying that they don't have a ton of nil money. I'm saying right. that Aaron Suttles left the athletic to run that thing. Right. For them. But right. It, it really was Saban. But it was Saban. Yeah. Like they have, they have the ability to do it. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't a ready-made operation that just another coach could step in, and didn't have to do anything. You know, like they're they're going to have to figure out life after Saban when it comes to this and. I believe that Kalen DeBoer is a great hire, and he maximized less talent to make it to the the national championship. He has some great players. I mean, Penix and those receivers, and a lot of playmakers on defense. Like, look, he had great talent, but traditionally, 
They weren't five stars. You know, they weren't high four stars. He knows how to maximize talent. The whole thing is he shouldn't have to do that at Bama, and I'm sure he's going to find his footing, and they're going to be just fine. They're not going to fall out of the top five in recruiting going forward or anything like that, but it was a 24-hour period where they lost Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor and Zion Grady, who's the five-star edge that decommitted today as well. And they're all just having like an existential crisis right now in in, in Tuscaloosa about who they are. It's it's the meme. It's the uh, the James Franco with the noose around his neck. Yeah, He's like first time. First time, yeah. huh? Yeah, like the, yeah, this is for. Uh, I just, I almost I almost just replied to that person with a picture of Tyler Harrell. <laughs> right. Right. Or you didn't have a problem Gibbs. with it a couple years right. ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just it, it's, but you do want like I don't think Alabama is going to become some crater. No. Right? I'm just saying history and and logic says they're at least due to just come back down to where everybody else is. Nine and three. Yeah. Which is still oh for them. Oh, my God. It sounds like you cussed into the microphone. <laughs> right, that's right. That. You're like, nine and three, Alabama just going off the road here. Well, think about it this way. Like, Saban hasn't had to hit the transfer portal hard. Uh, he has been selective. He has used it, but it, they have run a deficit in the transfer portal the last several years. They're going to have to to do a little more work to re-recruit their own roster as well as go out and get more transfers from other schools. I mean, that's something they haven't had to do as much of the last several years, and they're going to have to lean into it a little bit harder post-Saban, I think. And that's just a new new reality, and I'm sure that, you know, this guy's... Uh, it's just funny to me that he... I, I don't know if he's... like. All of a sudden, he's pretty representative of. of yeah, they have a they have a bad several. they have a bad twenty four hours, and all of a sudden, you know, college football's dead. They right. literally said college football is dead within a week of Saban leaving. College football's dead. Let's come back. I want to talk about one other part of that that I do think is a legitimate, uh, not complaint, but an issue that they probably will have to deal with. Uh, but I don't I don't see how there's any way that they can. We'll talk about that. We'll take your calls, your text here throughout on the drive on the Thunderville. Be right back.